You're listening to the Morning Announcements, your non-binary public radio. Basically, your MBPR. We're your co-hosts, EJ and Canny. On today's episode, we're talking urban legends, those stories you hear from so-and-so's cousin's neighbor, the ones that give you the creepy crawlies and haunt you when you're alone at night. <laughs> Our conversation strays to a random smattering of existential topics, but with a couple of nerds at the helm, that's not out of the ordinary. This week's episode touches on some subjects of cultural appropriation, and we recognize that as two white people talking about the traditions and folklore of marginalized communities, we have a lot left to learn. We're dedicated to creating space where all people feel welcome. We intend for our podcast to be recorded through a lens of sensitivity and self-awareness. And with that lens, we hope to have positive conversations that we can then share with all of you. Enjoy. Enjoy the podcast. Yeah! Yay! <laughs> I feel like we're so dependent on it now more than ever, which mm-hmm. also is like interesting that this week's topic is urban legends, because I feel like technology and urban legends go so well together. And you wouldn't really like have urban legends without technology, because the premise of an urban legend itself is like, Stories that used to be like when you think of folklore and you think of legends, uh, a tale that is believed to be based somehow rooted in fact, some that could be possible, you know, the like definition of urban legend, like these tales used to be told in the country, they used to be told by rural folks, they used to be told in the I mean, this is like pre city time, right? And then like, massive urbanization happened, the Industrial Revolution happened, and people moved into the cities and urban legends were like a way of transforming a lot of those traditional stories and mythos into like, everyday things that apply to, you know, different neighborhoods. Yeah. So basically, like, when you think about folk tales or folklore, like a folk tale is fiction, but a legend is something, and especially an urban legend, is something that you're like, oh, that could be true. An urban mm-hmm. legend that I think of when I think about modern urban legends is one that's circulated on Facebook a lot about like Black Lives Matter protesters and other protesters like blocking freeways. You'll see these urban mm-hmm. legends appear on Facebook that are these stories of my cousin's friend so-and-so was in an ambulance that got blocked on the highway by these protesters and he died. Like those types of things that, mm-hmm. you know, could be true. I think we should dif- differentiate between what a folklore and folk tale. So folktale. yeah, so basically a folk tale is something that you know is false, like a fable. You can identify like the culture that it's from. It usually has an association with human characters or sometimes non-human characters. It can happen in any place or any time, but like you know it's fiction. Like urban legends are things that could be true. Supernatural still counts. Definitely happening in like the world of today or the recent past. It could be something that is connected to the recent past or like today's society. I was saying one of my favorite urban legends, I think it's really a fascinating study of urban legend, is the legend of the Kentucky Fried Rat. 
have you've heard this right you've heard of this legend or like Mm -mm. no I haven't have you ever heard of it or you've like heard a tale about a restaurant that you know they served other than fried food or fried chicken like oh there was a rat or a bird or a thumb or like you know yes that legend originates in this Kentucky fried rat legend from like the 80s when Kentucky Fried Chicken was expanding as a chain and it was cropping up in a lot of black urban communities. Basically, this urban legend about the Kentucky Fried Rat stems from the racial bias, the racism against these neighborhoods and the mythos that if you ate at a restaurant in a predominantly black neighborhood, then you were at risk of eating a rat. That's messed up. It is messed up, but not surprising because white people have a long history of using folklore and culture and all manner of storytelling to keep racism going. I can imagine that that's true. I think about um, MSG and Asian food is a good one because MSG is in like everything. Right. It's in like Doritos. It occurs naturally in like tomatoes. There are urban legends about food specifically racially related that a lot of urban legends have this like meant to ward off yeah but not always scary sometimes just racist sometimes scary in how racist they are but there are definitely like the scary ones that I think about when Halloween happens or like we had one growing up in Ohio we had one about Chalky Chalky was a boy who was killed on this road. He was playing in the road and got hit by a car and died. And when they outlined his body in chalk, the chalk wouldn't come up. These are This is a common urban legend. Marks on the floor or a yeah. mark that can't be explained that's connected to a death. A lot of urban legends stem from these tragedies, sometimes as ways to cope with them or sometimes as ways to put that supernatural mystique on things but we had chalky and the, the rumor was if you drove down this it was so creepy like the road itself was in the middle of the country and it had this tree with a plank one plank nailed to it and that was supposedly chalky's tree and if you drove there's so many different things with a car too which is really interesting and kind of circles back to like the conversation on technology and urban legends like the car if you drive your car and you turn off the headlights at midnight then mysteriously the lights will turn back on yeah very common or if you honk your horn the ghost of the person killed will appear yeah i hate that <laughs> Don't want to conjure up any ghosts or demons. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Not my thing. Not my thing at all. I think the United States is unique too because we had this obsession with tall tales. Early Americana, I think, fueled this desire for urban legends to exist and for this supernatural element. I mean, I watch the cheesy shows like BuzzFeed Unsolved and... Um, oh, yeah. There's one with William Shatner. And it's so bad. Uh, the unexplained. Yes, the unexplained. And he's like narrating it. And I'm like, are you taking quaaludes that you saved from your Star Trek days? <laughs> like, he's just like so spacey. Yeah, there's some fascination that I think most people have with the supernatural that fuels these urban legends. Well, why do you think supernatural has run so long? Hot men. And Omegaverse, but also 
Also, oh that what you said. Also, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they like the occult. People like the occult because mm-hmm. people look for magic all the time around them, right? And so many of our mm-hmm. traditions are rooted in magic, but we don't like humans. Kind of people look away from these traditions of the past as part of something boring, something dead. But it still explains a lot about us and a lot about our relationship with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite urban legend? Oh, man. Mothman. Yes, I would say, yeah. Mothman is a good one because Mothman is like a cryptid, right? So he exists as like this, potentially this actual being that is part moth, part man, could also be a specter that appears moth-like. But the urban legend of Mothman somehow being an omen for disaster is one of the really interesting things I think about Mothman. Oh my god. There is a podcast, actually, that at one point during the story that it was sweeping Mm -hmm. had a character that was modeled after mothman (laughs) essentially was mothman but he was he could first he could see the future Mm. and i'm pretty sure he could see the future that playing off of the being an omen Mm -hmm. for disaster yeah and like premonition that whole premonitions are a big part of urban legends too right like yeah you know the hair on your arm raises when you hear something I have been to places. I'm from Ohio, okay, which is one of the spookiest states. Like, you're, you know, technically (laughs) spooky, but Ohio, Oregon is okay. Oregon is more spooky, like, Bigfoot-wise, like, UFO-wise, like, creature-wise, because the woods out here are just, like, endless. Like, you drive through the forest, and you're like, oh, that's how Sasquatch could be a thing. Because I've driven for eight hours and nothing but woods. Yeah, I understand. But in Ohio, there are all these like haunted places and urban legends about different ghosts and uh, oh yeah, creepy crawlies. In uh, in Alabama, for instance, mm-hmm. there's a lot of ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, people would say like at night, if it's a foggy night, like you could see. Civil War soldiers, like ghosts, mm, walking mm-hmm. along the quad, mm-hmm. and like that whole thing. But I hate ghost stories. Really, they scare the shit out of me. Really, yeah, I am so superstitious. Like, <laughs> so superstitious. I literally am having a hard time talking about this really? because I keep looking over my shoulder. Oh, like, man. literally. But also I think that stems from the fact that I truly believe that I've had like demonic encounters. Oh yeah. It'll change you. It changes you. Mm -hmm. And like, it messes your brain up. Yeah. I like, I'll be listening to like a podcast that goes over like creepy stuff Mm -hmm. that like is unexplained. Yeah. And like, I have to like close my closet (laughs) and like close my bedroom door and like turn on the lights and like, it's, Ridiculous. No, I feel that. And like, I had to turn something off the other day because it was too scary. It was something about a demonic possession, and they were like, "We're about to play ugh. the tapes," and I was like, "No, you're not. Nope. <laughs> no, you're not." <laughs> I could yep. read about it in the listicle, but I don't want to hear the possession. I, yeah, I don't want to hear that. It's speaking it into existence, and like that is the thing that like really scares. Well, I think that's an interesting like... part of of like folklore and a lot of the power of these urban legends like when you think about the device of a legend to maybe like keep a child from 
you know, don't go in the water 30 minutes after you eat your stomach, it'll explode. You know what I mean? Like, don't go in the water, there's a monster in there. Or don't talk about that. Or like, you know, that's, that's something that we don't want to bring up because it's spooky. The idea that inherently by performing the action of thinking of this, of saying it, of, of narrating the story, you are giving energy and force to these otherworldly beings is spooky. Like that's a spooky part of it. And I think that's an interesting part of the human psyche because even if people don't believe in it, you know, I, when Mm -hmm. I hear a tragedy or I hear about something, it will haunt me. Like I remember learning about these horrible crimes or like a terrible murder. And like, you know, I would have visions of what that must've been like for the person as they're dying. Like these just gruesome thoughts that obviously there's no wonder I'm a writer because (laughs) my head is a very twisted place. But like, yeah, that's what what part of what it's scary for me when you go to these places is like that energy, that feeling of something terrible has happened there. Like, oh, well, that's why I can't watch scary movies. I literally am psychologically affected by scary movies. It it messes me up. There's so many scary movies these days, too. There's so many. I seriously can't. I and like I know people who love them and like. I want to like them. Like, I want, I wish that I didn't get scared. And I wish that, like, but the thing is, is part of the draw is that it is scary and that it is spooky and that it's, that it, it causes that emotion of, like, of mm-hmm. fear. It triggers And, something. like, people are it thrilled by it. If you don't feel anything else, yeah. you can feel fear. Or if you yeah. need to, like, for me, I haven't been watching that much spooky stuff, but I did start watching Lovecraft Country, which is really, really good. Oh, yeah. But scarier, like, there was a recent episode that was the scariest thing I've seen, mostly because it just, like, hit a lot of my personal scary things. There, You know, they have this scene where the this, the demon, the creature, is coming out of... the This person is standing on a crowded train platform, and at the very end of the platform, there's a dark hallway. So like everything is bright mm-hmm. and sunlit, but, and yet from this dark crevice, something sinister appears. And that's what gets me the dark, the dark crevice, the mirror, the window, the crack, the, the space yeah. between the blinds where you're not really sure what just skittered across the window frame. And yeah. I just have to like, think about mm-hmm. it. Like I'm Stephen King. Like Stephen King is such an icon for me because he has the scariest fucking thoughts, but he just like turns it into books. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, that's super scary. Wow. Would that make a good story? Like if I storyify it, like (laughs) somehow it takes some of the edge off. But I definitely don't like I want to watch the movie Hereditary. I've heard it's amazing. Oh, my God. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was talking about something. Really? Did you watch it? Psychologically affect me. No. I want to see it. My literally like I was at someone's Mm -hmm. house and they were like, "Oh, let's watch Hereditary." No. And I was like, "Guys, like, if I, I cannot leave. watch yeah. this movie," I was, I literally left. I was Aww. in tears, and I left because I was like, "I literally cannot watch this yeah. movie. I will leave if you play this movie." And they were like, "Let's watch it," and I was like, "Rude, that's Bye. so rude." And I literally, like, I was like, "If I watch that movie, like, I will be affected yeah. by it." 
it will mess me up. And like, it's not like a temporary, like, oh, I'll have bad dreams for a couple days. It's this will affect me for the rest of my mm, life. Yeah. And my mom literally says, like, once you put something in your brain, it will not come yeah. out. Well, your brain, your brain also like, can't make its own faces and stuff. So if you see a scary face, yeah, when your brain is having a nightmare and it's trying to construct one, it's something you've seen already. Even like all the faces mm-hmm. in your dreams are faces you've seen before, even if it's a person you've passed right. by, because you're like the human brain can't mm-hmm. put together features that don't exist, which is an interesting neuroscience thing, but also scary when like, I remember I used to get really scared when I was younger and would like think that somebody was going to murder my whole family. I wouldn't be able to shower alone. I would just like, my brain would just spin off these crazy narratives about worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it was I did watch a lot of scary movies when I was young. You know, I saw The Exorcist, uh, The Green Mile, which scared me, which is a Stephen King book, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, The Shining. I remember feeling like, you know, we would go on ghost walks on family trips. So like we did one in Gettysburg, we did one in Williamsburg. I do like ghost stories. I do like the narrative now that I've worked through. I think being a folklorist honestly helped me because you understand the expression of belief that, that is culminating in these stories and these narratives. You know, like the Kentucky Fried Rat, for example, that is a story mm-hmm. about something truly frightening, trying to eat delicious chicken and instead eating a vermin that is right. was constructed for a reason. And so sometimes I wonder when we go back and look at these ghost stories, particularly because so much of our history, Western history is what's documented is whitewashed and constructed of the patriarchy so what does that say about our ghost stories there's also this problem where you know like the tokenizing that happens right like being interested in the lore of the of the place and respecting the lore of the place it means that you're not like using that as a costume or using that as you know something that is exoticizing it it's a genuine interest yeah. in how people shape their belief systems. And that's what's kind of cool about urban legends mm-hmm. is it's like this, you know, anecdotal way that people are shaping their belief systems, good or bad. Yeah. So it's interesting to think about what's going to happen to these stories in this lore in an age when you don't really have those physical barriers. Like on the one hand, you know, you can geotag something on Instagram. So if there's a scary place, it's got, you know, a digital footprint now. But on the other hand, um, so many different types of urban legends, as we've seen with the misinformation spread on things like the ambulance blocking or racism itself is a petri dish of disgusting, you know, biased urban legends that white people tell to each other to create this monster, this other. And so, right. Well, you mentioned something about Mm -hmm. the patriarchy and I was thinking about how so many icons or characters of the urban legends or the iconography is based often on women. And often, and I, I and there's the other theme of like women who are virgins and if they're not virgins anymore, bad things happen to them. Yeah. 
That's true. I, I think that it's really interesting because you see these ghost stories or these urban legends that are the focal point is a woman that mm-hmm. kills her children mm-hmm. or like or a woman mm-hmm. who is brutally murdered or mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. I mean, you see in The Shining, like the two yeah. little girls, even that. You see um, also... It's like, almost like a massive um, psyche slip of men who are actually just terrified of women. I mean, but you always... Something mm-hmm. that I found interesting is that in a lot of, in a lot of urban legends mm-hmm. um, and folklore, there's always mm-hmm. a woman in mm-hmm. white... Either like which white white indicates virginal. One of the most prevalent urban legends that still exists. La Llorona. I mean, it's the crier, I guess, in in English. She is oftentimes associated with different bodies of water. So you'll find her near rivers and things. We have a river here. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. She has either tragically lost her children. She has accidentally murdered her children. She has purposefully murdered her children. There's a few different variations which also the variation of a folktale is called an oikotype. How cool is that word? What's really great, so folklore has this principle called the twin dynamics of continuity and change. And that's basically that for something to remain, for something to be consistent, it has to change. Like the story of the crying woman, it changes with the time. So, you know, it's interesting to think about how they'll continue to change mm-hmm. and what their trajectory is and... You know, sometimes there are current events that happen. Mm-hmm. Like Mothman had an actual event tied to it, a, a bridge tragedy. Yeah. And I think it was the 1960s. La Llorona certainly has several origin stories in different parts of the world, in South America, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, I, I just, I looked at um, White Lady or the Lady in White and that, like the number of countries mm-hmm. that have an iteration yes. of the lady in white so is astounding. The one that I know, and pr- the one that I think of in particular is mm. one in the Philippines. Um, mm. I think it's the Caparosa, which is a legend that a friend of mine who lived in the Philippines told me about, and how you could see like a hand oh creepy or something like, and that's so spooky to me. And especially, like, knowing people who have seen Mm. things like that or, like, swear Mm -hmm. up and down that they've seen it, that is very scary for me. And people people talk about, like, like their their firsthand experiences of Mm -hmm. people who've, like, had encounters. Like, you hear that about, like, anything from ghosts to aliens. You know, like, having an encounter, mm-hmm. like, a supernatural encounter or an otherworldly mm-hmm. encounter or something. And I think that there is a tie between, like, something that's alien and, like, urban legends. Because, like, a cryptid is essentially alien mm-hmm. to... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm more mm-hmm. of a believer in, the, so, like, the fact that energy travels and that there are several dimensions that we can't see in parallel universes and that sometimes these energies shift and expand in different ways. Like I have been to places that have scared the Mm -hmm. fuck out of me. And I don't know, Mm -hmm. do I, have I personally like seen a ghost? No. Do I think that there are evil spirits? Yes. I think those are like, like, I don't know. I think I do believe that there are evil spirits. I think that negative energy can concentrate. I think like, just like anything else, like I can feel positive energy. 
So for me, if I know that to be true and that I can feel joy and positivity, then the opposite must also be true because infinite possibilities are available to us. So like, there's got to be, you know, evil people out there. Mm -hmm. Certainly we see serial killers and, you know, all sorts of crazy shit. People, you know, doing all sorts of evilness. And I'm just like, you know, when those people die, when harm is committed, does that energy go someplace? Does that energy stick around? That energy can latch onto certain items. Create like haunted items are like one of my favorite things. Uh, a friend of mine took us on a haunted <laughs> item tour of her house. That's um, amazing. Where she has a bunch of stuff. She's like, this is most definitely haunted. And so she has so much stuff in her yeah. apartment. That's well, really here's haunted. what I think. Like she, <laughs> she's like, I'm oh, not saying that your friend's haunted. shit isn't haunted because it very well could be. But I'm always the thing that always gets me oh, yeah. is I think when you experience something that's truly haunted or a haunting, you don't want anything to do with that shit ever again. Like I think that oh, yeah, you, could have, you could possess haunted items, but a haunted item might not have, you know. <laughs> affected you personally or like you know it could have like I don't know how ghosts and shit work I don't know what the otherworldly dimensional rules are you know (laughs) it's hard to say it's hard to say but I do feel like there's a lot that people think that they know that they don't like there's so much we don't know there could be an Atlantis there literally could be an Atlantis it could Mm -hmm. be crazy we could not know and if you, if, like, here's what I always think is funny, too. Like, um, people always say that if, like, oh, why can't we see things on camera? Like, why can't we see things on camera? And I think that's such a, a weird reason to not believe in something or not be able to prove something because we already know that there are so many different ways to perceive information and that our limited consciousness can only perceive so much. We can only see so many colors. We can only smell so many things, taste so many things. We are constantly losing frequencies. We can only hear, you know, your hearing is like a high end, low end sine cosine tangent and your entire life it's shrinking. And those, those extremes are getting closer together as you lose really high and really low frequencies. So there could be things that we can't hear that are happening, which is really trippy to think about. But I also think that explains why children are able to see spirits and able to process these things much more than adults can Mm -hmm. what's really interesting is when you've got like so babies when babies are born babies have the ability to reproduce every single sound a human can make like every phonic sound I think that there's something like 800 that humans can make and when we're adults we only end up using like 40 or 50 in the language that we select. But when you're a baby, you can, that's why babies mm-hmm. can learn any language. That's why you can grow, you grow up speaking, you know, whatever you were raised with. Um, so when babies are involved in supernatural things or like repeating things, I think it's really interesting because they have a broader spectrum of what they're able to produce than we are. So just send the babies in to fight the ghosts. That's my plan. Send in the babies. Yes. Send the baby. There's not any good yep. type of ghost. No, that, that might not be true. There are good spirits. The whole idea of the unexplained, the supernatural, the spirit world, you know, it toys with the essence of what it means for us to truly be alone. And that's the scariest thing for all humans. So it's also like this thing that even if you 
are scared of it. It really just comes down to this primal, very like basic human fear. Mm -hmm. I feel like people aren't meant to be alone. I think that also it's really interesting because the most introverted of introverts still may take phone calls. Or Mm -hmm. like they're still social. They just aren't physically in the same place as other people are. Also, Mm -hmm. I think that you mentioned soul. I I mean, I personally think that there's a a difference between a soul, a spirit, and a ghost. It's like different. It's like gas molecule. And like a water molecule, a gas molecule. (laughs) Like the different phases of your life. Yeah. Also with a ghost, aside from being like a physical presence, I guess there implies like a haunting there implies some sort of unfinished business some sort of connection to the present world that leaves the ghost in limbo because because i do think that in in a lot of folklore Mm -hmm. around ghosts there's the idea that they pass on that you can free them from this limbo and then they become the spirit then they go off and right get to do all the cool spirit shit but until then they're stuck in fucking yeah grandma's apartment and then it's just sad it sucks sucks (laughs) yeah but i think Mm -hmm. that like a soul is like the essence of a human but a spirit is like i feel like people both have a soul and a spirit you know like i feel like it's like the flavor of your spirit (laughs) well i feel like a soul might Mm -hmm. be what what passes on and like a spirit might be something that like yeah I mean, I believe in reincarnation, so the soul could be what, like, passes on to the next life, and the spirit is the essence of that person, that specific iteration of the soul. Well, because you hear people Mm -hmm. talk about, like, a good spirit or a bad spirit, but, like, what's the difference? Unless a spirit would be considered, like, a good spirit. Like, um, a good spirit, a lot of times, the lore will be... Like the staircase in Santa Fe, there's this staircase in a church in Santa Fe that a lot of people, there's, it's like a spiral double helix staircase. The engineering of it is incredible. There's not a nail glue screw used in the entire thing. And the story of how it was constructed involved this, you know, this church is trying to rebuild the staircase Nobody will take it on because it's a really hard renovation. And this mysterious man shows up to build it. He supplies all of the materials. Nobody knows where he gets them from. He does all of the labor, refuses to let anybody see him do the labor. And when he's finished, he doesn't accept payment and he just disappears. So basically Jesus. So like there's these stories of good spirits intervening for humans on humans' behalf. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess you could argue that that was like a deity, but some people say it was like Joseph, you know, the spirit of Joseph, the saints, saints are are a good example of a good spirit. Saints. I feel like those that are considered Mm -hmm. saints and those that are like the martyrs, like those who are surrounded by violence or a subject of violence. Like Joan of Arc. That that wasn't their doing. I came from Mm -hmm. a very very christian background so we talk a lot about Mm -hmm. spiritual energy which is funny because that wouldn't seem like something that you would talk about in a christian church Mm -hmm. but you talk about the holy spirit 
and how mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. spirit is in the room with us tonight and like so that would be an example mm-hmm. of yeah like, a good spirit in other countries and eastern countries there are many good spirits many spirits that almost are yeah. um, aloof and ambivalent to human ways until they're called upon or dragged into them you know what i mean so um like i i for example i went to new mexico mm. and i was I was uncomfortable the whole time and my mom was like that's probably because mm-hmm. you feel like the spiritual energy here and it's mm. like negative essentially <laughs> not, not to shit on New Mexico New but white people did terrible energy, things there but... and the blood, of, <laughs> no. the blood of all of our ancestors is yeah white people did do terrible things there so maybe that's what it is maybe that's what it is mm. um the atrocities white men committing atrocities i feel like is like did. 80 percent um, of hauntings and continue to do <laughs> like 80 percent go ahead go ahead white men well my mom my mom was thinking that mm. it was it was because of new age spirituality which is a really interesting point that the religions now that are and and that have really always been but the ones that have seen a resurgence i guess um mm-hmm. the the spiritualism or being spiritual or like believing in spiritual things mm-hmm. but not mm-hmm. necessarily that there is a figurehead or that there is a main deity you have that sort of like well you have like i don't Probably. know if it would be considered an appropriation <laughs> in some court in some ways i mean because you have mm. like the use of Mm-hmm. white sage or like things like that and mm-hmm. how there's like that there's the resurgence of using mm-hmm. that and how it's appropriation because mm-hmm. it's it's used for I do um, think that there is this massive movement of the commercialization the materialism of western ideals specifically among cis white women of a certain class who are able to explore spirituality through yoga and crystals and like I do yoga I have crystals but there's something about a particular type of person who is only viewing that as a commodity I think it's so much about intention if I learn that something is a Native American custom I'm just not going to do it you know, it's just something that I'm choosing not to do because my spiritual practices aren't based in Native yeah. American customs. They're based in Celtic customs and traditions because my family from Switzerland and from Western Europe right. ascribe to those traditions. And, you know, there are things that have become appropriated in a time when certain marginalized communities are still fighting for equality that may have belonged to other cultures, but now in the context of the modern struggle, it becomes different. It's not the same because the power dynamics are different. And so I think that's definitely something that New Mexico, California, a lot of these Western U.S. states where there are these big crops of, you know, white, liberal, progressive people who are spiritualists who maybe tokenize and fetishize spiritual practices in ways like ayahuasca, I think is a really interesting one that people are starting to tokenize and has become, you know, something that's a very spiritual ritual. 
has become sort of this like I'm gonna do do an ayahuasca cleanse because I need to get away for the weekend. It's a spiritual journey where you're led by someone through a an herbal um, medication. You take a specific plant and you're hallucinating. You're not. Um, you're you're going through a vision quest, something that is very sacred. And I find these these practices interesting as well because oh. a lot of these native areas, these communities, rely on tourism in some respects. My thing is always like if somebody tells me that something is yeah. expensive to them and not to say it, then just don't do it. Who gives a shit? Like I think so many people dig their heels in because they want to. They want yeah, exactly. to be obstinate. <laughs> they want to be that devil's advocate. And I just don't care. Like, who has the time for that? Just fucking pick a different word and move on. Right. Yeah, it's it's the respect and not appropriating something for yourself. Yeah, like, some of these stories are really only oral traditions. Like, you can't even find them written down anywhere. Oh, yeah, like, but that really just makes them more, like, legends, right? Listening to a storyteller or something is different than, like, reading it in a Snopes article. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot to explore there. And I would encourage people to, like, check out their local urban legends and acknowledge and, like, pay homage to the tribal lands that they're currently occupying. We're just scratching the surface. We'll be back next week with a new episode, this time on The Election. <laughs> oh, great. More scary shit. Thanks for listening to The Morning Announcement. <laughs>